0: listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry.
1: One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. We'd like to welcome as our guest today, Eve Pollitt, who is Senior Vice President of Strategic Intelligence at Dairy Management Inc, DMI, the Checkoff Organization. That's an impressive title, but from our conversation, I think it means she's in charge of the crystal ball. (laughs) Eve, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Eve, you've made presentations at several industry meetings this past fall, and we've done an interview with you actually. And each time I've heard you, I've been fascinated by the insights you've shared about trends in food and nutrition and what that means for dairy. But before we dig into those concepts, let's begin by having you tell us a little bit about your career and the work you did before you joined DMI.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a background in strategic foresight which is also known as corporate foresight or future studies. And what, what that is, is using research tracking trends um, and creating a discipline and a methodology for organizations to understand what their future operating environment might look like and what they should do about it. So what you can do is use different research tools just like you would use other tools for market intelligence or market research to understand what trends are happening, you know, across what we call the steep heuristics, so social, technological, economic, environmental, and political environments. And so the reason why this practice came about and you know, why I've been training in this practice and deploying this practice to different organizations is because we live in what we call a VUCA world. And VUCA, V-U-C-A stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. With the rate that technology is advancing and the rate that trends are accelerating, it's really hard to, you, you mentioned crystal ball, but it's really hard to keep your finger on the pulse of a world that's changing so fast. And so my background is in foresight and using foresight for various organizations across different industries. So every industry can benefit from strategic foresight from understanding the different trends that are going around outside of us because trends now don't occur within a category. They occur across categories and come into categories. So I've been doing foresight for the beauty industry, the food industry, the tech industry and others. I came from, my last company is called Sparks and Honey, and they're a cultural consultancy. And what they do is they try to and aim to and have systems that allow you to quantify trends across all categories and then use artificial intelligence to score trends, understand their impact, and what that can mean for businesses. So... I was working with them, you know, and came over to DMI and really wanted to do that for the dairy industry to say, these are the trends and these are the forces that are going to impact the dairy industry. And this is what the dairy industry should do about it. And often in this practice of strategic foresight, this research methodology, you uncover great opportunities and great uncertainties and and great challenges. And the point is to look out 10 years from now, look out and understand what could the future operating environment be and what does that mean for us so you can really help an industry and organizations future-proof their strategies, consider unintended consequences, unintended or uh, unanticipated rather trends that might have an impact tomorrow that we can't even see today.
1: Well, I think that's fascinating stuff. And we're going to talk about a little bit about how that fits with dairy. Uh, Just, uh, we didn't talk about this before, but can you give us any examples of the kind of situations that you were involved with uh, before you got into dairy in terms of uh, trends or uh, future, uh, you know, future orientation for your clients, maybe in general?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I worked on some trends for technology clients, for media clients to understand what's the future of news? What's the future of truth and trust? How will people receive news? How will information spread? Um, And in order to answer some of those challenging questions, you have to look at um, the rate of change in regards to technology, different behaviors in digital worlds. Um, You have to understand Um, the global connection between consumers. Now you can have someone in Iowa communicating online with someone in China um, in two seconds. So really tried to dive into an understanding of that for media and technology clients who were either developing applications for chat functions or just looking at their future media and news strategy. And I also worked for beauty clients that were asking, you know, what is the future of beauty now with technology trends when you can make yourself look like anything you want to online with any type of filter and any type of um, ability to be who you want, look the way you want and express yourself the way you want. What does that mean about future expectations around beauty products and what they can do? Uh, How fast they can work and for, for beauty clients as well, we looked at, you know, some of the trends that are in food, you know, clean beauty, organic and natural um, food grade beauty, rather. And then on the flip side, some of those technology trends. So are consumers going to expect beauty products to be tailored exactly to their needs, whether it's to their DNA or to their skin microbiome or to their personal behaviors and preferences, whether it's skincare or makeup. Um, If you can change your behavior, your image online in two seconds, how can the beauty industry and especially the cosmetic aspect, not just the skincare aspect of the beauty industry, evolve um, to meet people where they're at in the digital world or the physical world? And in order to really answer some of those questions, you can't just look. Um, I mentioned looking across the horizontal, looking across industries, but you have to consider all aspects of culture, um, not just technology, but environmental trends, um, even policy trends, um, economic trends, and cultural and behavioral trends. You know, asking ourselves, what does Gen Z think is beautiful versus the boomer generation or Gen X generation? Um, what do Gen Zers feel they need um, or want in order to express themselves or to feel healthy? Um, and so by, by taking a look at those trends across categories, we can start to paint a picture of possible futures. And it's not about having a crystal ball Really, what it what it is about is to identify possible futures, where the trends are going, what that might mean for future consumer behavior, but also future consumer expectations. So what will consumers expect from beauty brands? Um, what will con- con- future consumers expect from food brands, from technology brands? Um, and often an answer, like I mentioned in one category, We'll move over to the other so perfect example of that is the blend now that we're seeing between the beauty and food categories so we saw coconut water become a big trend in the food and beverage category and then all of a sudden we were seeing dial body wash that was coconut water flavor and scented so it's really important to track kind of what we call those mega and macro trends that have an impact on multiple categories to just future proof an industry. And so that industry for me is dairy.
1: Sure. Um, and we'll talk about that. So you don't have a dairy background and you're not a food scientist, but instead you have these other skills that help you analyze trends. Let's let's talk about uh, dairy in particular now and some of the trends in food and dairy that that you've seen. We've got a, a new generation of consumers, You you mentioned that, that uh, have the have some have their own ideas about what constitutes healthy food and healthy eating,
0: right. and
1: and and good health uh, by definition. Tell us tell us a little bit more about the dairy stuff here.
0: Yeah, I think that what we're seeing is we're seeing this move towards functionality and functionality functional foods, functional products, and that expectation um, of functional foods and functional indulgences too. So. Uh, that expectation is really being driven by the on-demand, you know, economy. Really, so this next generation, Gen Z they're called digital natives. They grew up in a world where they're used to being able to order their groceries online, and have it delivered in two hours. I mean, that's a stark, stark difference from the boomer generation and even millennial generations, which is my generation. Um, We kind of grew up with one foot in the digital world and one foot out of the digital world. So that on-demand economy that expectation of immediate results whether it's immediate likes on social media or being able to get into in contact with someone immediately Um, is driving this need around functionality around everything. So everything has to have a function. I mean, you can't have a sneak speaker in your home now without it being smart, right? So even your furniture, your speakers now have have an extra function. So everything is smart now. Smartphones, smart speaker, smart kitchen. And while some of the smart, smart products are, you know, a little bit, you know, or, a lot bit expensive for the average American the cost of that is coming down and so while we would think that's this smart revolution this on-demand revolution um, it has nothing to do with food it has everything to do with consumer expectations around every product they have so when consumers now especially these younger consumers gen z look at food they expect it to have a function for a benefit that they want immediately whether it's reaching for a slice of pizza to help them calm down and wind down and relax with their friends to grabbing bottle of core power, which is a fair life product that has what 42 grams of protein in it to get their protein, and their energy boost for the day. So they can, you know, focus on what they need to focus on. So while we would think that the concept of functional foods might've been reserved for um eastern to western eastern to western trends or a subsegment of the population the expectation around food and its ability to be functional to give you the exact benefit you're looking at in that moment is now becoming way more mainstream for gen z and that makes a lot of sense when you look at their expectation you know expectations of any other product around them When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health, a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and ultimately enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit DiamondV.com because animal health deserves a healthier approach.
1: You mentioned a relatively recently developed uh, new dairy product, the Fairlife uh, product. Uh, have you had connections with dairy processors to share uh, your trend analysis uh, with, with, with the processors?
0: Absolutely. So yes, um, through DMI and through the Innovation Center and our organizations, we do share out all of these trends. Um, we have worked on future forward initiatives with the entire industry that includes processors to say, what does the world look like in 2030? So we've projected that far out to say, what are some of these trends and how can we take advantage of them now? And so functional foods, food as medicine is absolutely one of those trends that we've been talking about with the industry, processors and farmers um, and everyone across the value chain.
1: Uh, One of the aspects, and you touched on it a moment ago, but I've heard you speak about it uh, this this fall, is the notion of consumers or a consumer being able to uh, apply an individual, uh, be able to satisfy his or her individual nutritional needs
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: based on genomic testing. Uh, I I think our audience uh, for Dairy Voice may have a little more familiarity with the genomic testing than the the uh, average consumer, since we're so involved with it with dairy, but talk a little bit about where we're headed with uh, the individuality of of the whole situation, of the whole uh, nutrition.
0: Yeah, Sometimes. happy to. So we're at an interesting time where we're, I would say we're coming off the heels of a pandemic, and I hope that's true. Yes. I hope that the pandemic will be over soon, but you know, we are in a time where there is a huge focus on, you know, not only health, but on all of the aspects that impact your health. So there is more of a widespread recognition now, more than ever, around how what you eat impacts your health outcomes. And so, Um, we're seeing a, a giant focus on that. The majority of consumers now recognize when we look at our consumer insights and when we look at our consumer research, majority of consumers now recognize that what they eat has a direct impact on their health. And they're reporting that they are eating healthier foods for healthier outcomes and hoping to get those outcomes. So that food is medicine, you know, functional food trend is here to stay but another one that you mentioned is the concept of personalized nutrition um, tailored food recommendations to you and and something that you mentioned is nutrigenomics so that's one thing so nutritional recommendations based on your individual genetic makeup and so you that the nutrigenomics, field um, is taking off. We're seeing those tests like 23andMe and Ancestry DNA and others. We're seeing um, adoption of those kits increase and the cost of those kits are coming down. They're relatively cheaper now, $30, $40. I'm sure there were some Christmas discounts this year again. <laughs> um, so we're, we're seeing that and consumers are interested in knowing more about themselves they've gotten more information on themselves than they have ever before, whether it's through social media um, or otherwise. We really are in the information golden age right now. Like I mentioned, everything is smart. And so the expectation is that consumers will have so much more access to information about themselves and their own health than ever before. And the reason why that's really interesting and presents a huge opportunity for dairy is this isn't just a. I go to the doctor and they tell me what to eat because they took my blood and you know they took my blood pressure and they the doctor knows me. Um, I think there's a widespread recognition that doctors in medical school there isn't a giant nutrition curriculum for doctors. I mean they they receive you know I, depending on what's what's reported. 20, 30, 50 hours of nutrition education. And so it presents an interesting opportunity because consumers are getting nutrition information, not only from their doctor, but from new places now. And because they want to know more about their health, because we're in a pandemic, and they want to know more about either their genetic makeup or their gut microbiome, so the microbes in their gut, um, because those have a large impact on your health. And that's an exploding field right now. Um, whether it's any of those inputs, the consumer expectation around, you know, and desire to know more about themselves is very personally driven and they feel in control and in the driver's seat more so now than ever before because they don't have to rely on their doctor to tell them what to eat. They can figure it out for themselves. And so these nutrigenomics or DNA kits are one way to do that gut microbiome kits where they take samples um, either of your blood or other types of samples that I don't know if it's kosher to mention on here, but (laughs) other types of samples that can tell you what's in your body. Um, You know, what you can do is take that test and send it right in and, you know, get a recommendation on what to eat for your health. And whether, you know, the science is there perfectly or not, which I think many would argue it isn't yet, I don't know how much consumers care because it is one input out of, you know, a minimal amount of inputs um, that is a little bit more accurate and just a little bit more tailored and a little bit more individual to them. So we're seeing more purchasing of those kits and more desire. And then at the very baseline, I mean, if you look at how many people have a pedometer, their phone that tracks their steps, or an Apple watch, whatever they use, we're seeing more adoption around wearables too that tell you how well you slept overnight or how many steps you're taking. So consumers, like I mentioned, aren't going to doctors for this. They're really hacking it themselves because they're looking to all of these different inputs, DNA, gut microbiome, wearables. Um, and we're going to see really, really interesting business models, recommendations, and outcomes from all of those different inputs for consumers. But what's most important to note is that you, you touched on this recommended daily value, the concept of, you know, I get a recommendation on how many calories to eat or, or what types of nutrients to have, you know, that's going to be individual. So you know, you might look at a nutrition label right now, tells you how many calories um, you're eating. That's a percentage of, you know, I think it's a 2000 calorie diet um, and what percentage of the daily vitamins you need. That's based on, you know, that's based on a general, general population. That's not based on you. So I think that we're seeing, we're gonna see a move towards the concept of recommended daily value as individual. And consumers expect food brands, food industries, and and even the healthcare industry to tailor recommendations more closely to them.
1: I'm a fan of dairy, of course, as as you are. And it would strike me that the wide range of nutrients and and beneficial ingredients in dairy products might make it um, maybe a little more flexible or a little more useful if, if it's gonna reach a tailored, uh, a tailored consumer. Uh, am I being too optimistic or is there something to that?
0: No, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that really is the great opportunity here. I mean, dairy is the most versatile food on the planet what what can dairy not do? I, I couldn't answer that question. <laughs> so, you know, whether it's yogurt or lactose-free, I mean, someone could get a recommendation from one of these apps that says, you know, they can't digest lactose. Well, okay, because we have a ton of lactose-free products for you. So, or someone, you know, might get a recommendation that this type of cheese is better than that type of cheese. Great. We have hundreds of types of cheeses for you, um, different types of yogurts. I mean, there isn't a product format I cannot think of um, that we couldn't um, you either tailor to or just in its natural format recommend to a consumer that might not be able to eat other dairy products, but could have that product. So I think that in a world where recommendations, food recommendations are digital and an understanding of nutrition information is digital, dairy wins, we just have to digitize. <laughs> and that's really what, we, what the work is here.
1: Sure, challenging for the processors too. Uh, and also uh, whoever's gonna read those tests and make the recommendation, that looks like another group of influencers that we've gotta begin to reach out to and, and uh, inform. You know, I, I hope it's not yeah. Dr. Oz who reads the tests, uh, although I'll bet he'll come out with a brand on that. Right. Uh, you know, we need, we need legitimate uh, nutritional information provided back to these consumers.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And you're right, the next Dr. Oz is probably going to be an algorithm.
1: <laughs> it's probably
0: going to be from a computer. So how can we ensure um, that these new models incorporate dairy? And it's really interesting because it's not just these test kits, these diagnostic kits that tell you what to eat. Um, that it's not just those kits that we need to make sure that we're aware of and working with and partnering with. It's also big tech and others. So Microsoft um, actually filed a patent around, um, it was smart glasses, um, AR smart glasses, and they filed a patent that shows um, different nutritional, it shows an AR menu, an augmented reality menu. So it means that we could go out for dinner and it would know my own personal nutritional information and yours and what's good for your health. And you and I could be looking at the same menu um, through an app and get different recommendations on what to eat or how to customize a dish. So leave tomatoes off or leave tomatoes in, um, whatever it is. So we're seeing that you know big tech is filing patents in the healthcare space whether it's through smart glasses or through phones. um, We're seeing more of those. It's not just Microsoft, it's others, um, it's Google. And so we need to make sure that we understand all of the different ways that consumers are getting that information on what to eat.
1: Pretty intriguing. Um, Can you uh, step back for just a moment? Uh, DMI uh, helped uh, uh, do some planning for the 2030 project. We expect to see more information coming out about that. Can you give us any uh, overviews or any previews of what we might be seeing from that, that planning process, which I'm sure yeah. you were very involved with?
0: Absolutely, so Dairy 2030 is aptly named because it was an initiative, an industry-wide research initiative with the full dairy value chain. So farmers to processors to industry CEOs, Um, anyone involved in the dairy value chain um, here in the United States. And we as DMI convened the entire value chain over the course of a couple years. And we worked with futures experts and think tanks, such as the Institute for the Future, which is one of the, if not the most premier futures thinking organization. They were a spinoff of the Rand Corporation in the sixties and have been doing future casting and strategic foresight that I've been studying for, you know, years um, and are really known to be the best at it. And, you know, we really commissioned that research initiative and wanted to involve the whole value chain because we really wanted to peer into the future and say, what are our greatest challenges and what are our greatest opportunities and how can we all work together um, to take advantage of those opportunities or mitigate those challenges? Um, What do possible futures look like for us and what should we do about that? And in order to make sure that we can really take advantage of the reason why we involve the whole value chain is because in order to draw the proper implications from the research, we wanted to make sure that every perspective was included. And that's really the incredible thing about DMI um, and DMI's ability to convene an entire value chain and get all of the players into the room to discuss this, because the future is moving at us faster than we think, Um, and we always say, and so does Institute for the Future, the future is here now, it's just not evenly distributed. And so how can we understand what possible futures are and then decide the future that we want to create for dairy together because it's not just going to take DMI it's going to take the entire value chain in order to do that and we want to make sure that every perspective is included Um, and that's leading to you know different initiatives at DMI that you know you'll hear more about in the next year or so Um, that will really lead to the dairy industry's transformation for the better, because that's really why we do this future research is to make sure that we're transforming and that we are staying ahead of the game versus behind it, because we truly believe that dairy can lead the trends of the future and that dairy doesn't just need to follow. Um, We have an incredible product, an incredibly versatile product, an incredible industry that's future ready. um, And now we just need to implement the future.
1: Well, Eve, I think those comments are a great way to wind up. Uh, it would be fun to talk with you further. And maybe we'll do that in the year ahead, uh, you know, talking about plant-based and how that fits or doesn't and, and a whole range of issues. But I think you've summarized this very well for us. We appreciate
0: it. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun to talk about the future as always.
1: <laughs> it's where you live. Eve Pollitt with DMI, Senior Vice President of Strategic Intelligence at DMI. Thanks so much for being with us on Dairy Voice.
0: Thanks again for having me.
1: This is your host, Joel Hastings. You can find Dairy Voice at the usual podcast sites, as well as at dairybusiness.com.